Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. I am so stoked for today's conversation for a couple reasons. First of all, this is my friend Ariana Witkin. I'm really excited to have her on because we met a couple months ago, but we instantly clicked and I instantly knew, you know, she's good people. I instantly knew, wow, she really understands motherhood from the same lens that I understand motherhood. Wow, she truly understands patient consent and really trying to better understand what her patient's goals are before she suggests anything. I'm telling you, when I met Ariana, I was like, wow, this is one hell of a lady and I cannot cannot, cannot wait to share her with my people. And so here we are today. I'm really excited to introduce you guys to my friend Ariana Woodkin, aka Mama MD. Now, Ariana is a pediatrician, a board certified pediatrician, and she completed her pediatric residency at the University of Washington Seattle Children's Hospital. Her work has been published in Hospital Pediatrics and Kevin MD. She currently works at a community hospital here in Massachusetts. She's also a mama of the cutest little girl. Oh my goodness, you guys. You need to check out Ariana on Instagram because her daughter is so darling. Honestly, last weekend they went strawberry picking and I about died. I mean, my heart just like fell out into mush on the floor. It was so darling. But there is one last piece of Ariana that I haven't mentioned, and this is actually the reason I wanted to have her on, is that she's a fourth trimester coach and a motherhood mentor. So she literally steps you through postpartum in a coordinated way that supports you on your journey where you are, but also keeps you on track for where you wanna go in motherhood, while having that piece of being a pediatrician and understanding exactly what is happening with your baby. Plus, she's a mama, so she actually has lived through the fourth trimester. 
because I'm telling you, she is so golden. I cannot wait for you to hear all of our conversations today. If you are having a baby anytime soon or you have just had a baby, this episode is going to change your life. If you are listening and you're neither of those, but you know somebody who is going to have a baby soon, please share this episode with them because it doesn't get better than this. This is actually top level information. Ariana is so good. This conversation is going to change your life. Let's just jump straight to it. So Ariana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited to dive into this because you know what, quite frankly, and you know more than anybody, but postpartum, is so important and our society has done this really fantastic job of totally ignoring it and almost making it disappear like in every sense of 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 the experience we don't talk about it in in pregnancy so it's disappeared we really don't talk about it in postpartum so it's kind of disappeared (laughs) no one's talking to you about it during your birth it's really nowhere to be found. So I am more grateful than probably anybody to have you on. Um, Not only are you a mama, so you've been through this. Now you coach women in how to kind of thrive instead of survive in this chaotic time. You're also a pediatrician. So you are this triple whammy, like really strong arm that I'm super excited to share with our community. Um, But in your own words, who are you? (laughs) Thank you. Um, I am Mama MD. I think that encapsulates kind of everything you just said. So I'm a fourth trimester coach, a motherhood mentor, a mama to an amazing baby girl who is, oh my gosh, she's about to be 21 months old, and a pediatrician. I believe in empowering women during the most important transition of their lives, which is becoming a mother. I started coaching and consulting with pregnant and postpartum women because I felt like that was the thing that was missing when I was postpartum, that I literally created the thing that I so desperately needed that just did not exist. As you said, I'm a pediatrician. I obviously trained for many, many years in child development and newborn care. I actually still work clinically. I'm a newborn hospitalist at my local community hospital. So I have a ton of professional experience and knowledge about babies and the postpartum period. But when it came to my own experience, I just felt so unprepared. I wish I had known you when I was pregnant and I could have been in the birth lounge and had you. Um, I had a really long labor, a very difficult delivery, and just a really, really hard time postpartum. I was in physical pain from stitches. I felt like my nipples were falling off from trying to breastfeed. I was isolated. I really felt disconnected from myself. I did not feel supported. And really in reflecting back on my professional and personal experience, I felt like I had all the pieces or what I thought all of the pieces were, right? So I had an OB, I had a doula, had a lactation consultant, I had a night nurse, a supportive partner, family support. And still it was literally the hardest time period of my life. And I think that was because there was no space, no one person that was helping me really hold all of these pieces together and really thinking about me, not me as a new mom, not me and the baby, but really me and this new really like person and identity that, that I had. And that is what I do now with my clients. 
And that's how we actually originally connected is in this postpartum period, we connected, I believe, over a post of helping mothers kind of find themselves and, and walk in that postpartum journey of not being prepared. I love, love, love that you talk about you had all the pieces and you created something out of what you didn't have in an experience, you know, that you had watched. I did almost the exact thing, but a little bit before the curve. So I saw in birth training, like, whoa, I do not want to have a baby in this system. So I need to create something. And so I too looked around and was like, oh, I actually have this whole entire puzzle. I have all the pieces. I just never looked at it from this view before and I put it together and now I do have a system that I'm excited to birth within. Um, and you know, the duels that are on my team will be the duels that are at my birth because I know how good they are. Um, I, I get to see their magic all the time. So gosh, I love this. Now listeners, you guys, you see why Ariana and I are just so perfect for one another. Okay. So let's talk about this invisible piece of birth. Why is thinking about postpartum before your baby gets here so important? Your baby's not here. You have so much stuff to do before then. You really just can't you wait until your baby is here to think about this kind of stuff? And honestly, the answer is no, you can't. It's too late at that point. So why? Why should we prepare before? Yes, I love that you just said that. I think thinking about your postpartum period before the baby gets here is not only so important, it is non-negotiable. I wish someone had told me that before I had a baby. I was so focused on the labor and the delivery and my actual birth experience. And obviously that's important, right? You know better than anyone that that's super important. And that, that is the beginning, right? That is the beginning. It is one moment in time postpartum and what happens after the baby is here deserves to be focused on with just as much like intensity as the actual birth. And the way that I like to describe it to people is thinking about like a big sporting event or something. And I was a soccer player. So if you take like playing in the World Cup, right, would you wait until the first game of the World Cup to start practicing? No, right? Like absolutely not. You would be preparing for years, probably your whole life. So to wait to start preparing for postpartum until the baby is here, right? It just it just does not make sense. After you have a baby, at least for me, I was so exhausted, so overwhelmed. I couldn't remember like the last time I washed my hair or brushed my teeth, let alone think about what I needed in that moment to optimize my self-care and really be you know, give myself grace in the postpartum period. It was just total survival mode, total chaos. So the, the time to plan for a period that you know is maybe going to be overwhelming and stressful and exhausting is before it arrives, right? Like in addition to this new person in your life, your baby, like I said before, you're becoming a new person too. I really believe that. So focusing and dedicating time to think about and making a plan for this new stage is just so important. I think the other thing is that it can sometimes, particularly like for smart, super successful women to ask for help, particularly when we need it the most, so postpartum. So thinking about and creating a postpartum plan and setting up a system ahead of time really makes it feel like you're not asking for help in the moment, right? You're just following the plan that in your infinite wisdom you have set up for yourself and it's ready and it's good to go when the baby arrives. So I love everything that you said and, you know, in true hee hee fashion, I'm going to just add a whole nother layer on this, but 
What about all the things that even having grown up around children, loving, you know, babies and being a pediatrician yourself, did you encounter that you had no idea was coming down the chute to you, right? These are part of the things that we talk about in stage seven of, you know, um, thinking about your, your postpartum in the birth lounge. But when people talk about postpartum, there's always this sense of they kind of know what's what's coming down the chute. But when you talk about or when you talk to people who have lived through that newborn stage, there's always this sense of like, oh, yeah, and everything you thought you knew was like kind of correct. But all the things you did not know that you did not know is over overwhelming. There's so many pieces that I find and, you know, this is true in women's health, too, but it kind of falls between the cracks. It's not really your OB's job to educate you on this. It's a little bit late for your pediatrician to educate you on this. We kind of need you to know this before your baby gets here. So whose job is it to teach these families these things that don't really fall under anybody's umbrella? And I think this is the beautiful thing of having a postpartum coach or being in something like the birth lounge or at least being connected to a mama community that can at least try and prepare you for the things that you don't know are coming and you really don't have any idea or way of knowing that it's coming your way unless somebody is intentionally telling you, hey, by the way, this curveball is going to hit at six weeks. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love everything that you just said. You said so much. So I think first, as you know, right, it's totally different to learn something in a textbook and even right to work with other people's children than to work with your own, right? It just, I don't care how many years you've been practicing, whether it's medicine or a doula, right? It is different when it's your own child. It just is. So for me, right, starting from the moment my daughter was born, she, as I said a little bit earlier, I had a super long labor and a difficult delivery. I pushed for almost four hours. They were kind of, you know, waving the thread of like, you might have to have a C-section, which I really didn't want to do. She ended up being a vacuum delivery, um, had to have a couple pulls before we could get her out. And when she came out, she was limp and not breathing. And the pediatrician took her over to the warmer and wasn't really calling out what was happening and to experience that as a mom, right? So I've been the pediatrician at that bed resuscitating the baby. And I do as much as I can. I keep the baby on the mom and do all the resuscitation on the mom. But sometimes it is necessary to take the baby to a different space. But when I do that, I make sure to call out what's happening to provide reassurance, right? So that the mom doesn't feel like, oh my God, I just worked so hard to get this baby out. And now the baby is not only gone, but I have no idea what's happening. Right. So for me to be in that other position was just like, oh, my God. So that was, I would say, one thing I didn't know, right, was how it felt to be on the other side of that coin. The other thing for me that I alluded to, <clears throat> excuse me, before was breastfeeding was just like super, super difficult for me. And I would say it took three months in my case for it really to click. I used a nipple shield for three months. I was working with a lactation consultant. I was doing triple feeding. It was just so I was breastfeeding, pumping, giving my baby a bottle, like all of the things. And I think a lot of people don't know that they actually don't teach a lot of breastfeeding education in medicine, particularly in pediatrics, right? Which is like mind blowing. So in my case, I actually sought out a lot of extra breastfeeding education during my medical training, but it was not part of the normal standard course. Like these are 
extra electives, extra people that I just emailed and was like, hey, can I follow you? Can you teach me everything you know? And often these people were not doctors. They were lactation consultants or doulas or other people in the kind of postpartum field. So that's one thing. So for me, having a baby actually like latched on my breast, even with all of that knowledge, was completely different, right? I don't care what anyone tells you. If you have not had like a little mouse chomping on your nipple, you do not know what it feels like to breastfeed. You just don't. And so just, you know, there were a series of things like that where it was just like, oh my God, I literally wanted to call every patient that I've ever had and say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I clearly did not understand what you were going through. So to go back to your question about whose responsibility is it, I think it's our collective responsibility, kind of at a higher level as society. You said it in the beginning, right? Like we do not value postpartum. We do not value mothers. We do not value women, right? Like I could go right on and on, like how meta do we want to get here? But at kind of a larger level, it's really about placing value on women and mothers in the postpartum period. And that starts with policy and activism, right? Like the postpartum period is not protected at all with legislation. Parental leave in this country is a joke, right? I won't get on that soapbox, but kind of on and on and on. So I think, you know, in the absence of kind of larger systemic change that is so important, it is having, as you said, someone like me having a postpartum coach, someone whose job it really is to focus on the mom um, is just so critical. And access to these classes, right? So I think like a lot of people are like, hey, I'm a little scared to breastfeed, but also what can I do about that? And at best, there's like a free one hour course that's offered once a month at the hospital. And if you miss that one class, one hour, one day a week, once a month, (laughs) and that's it, you know, you kind of missed your opportunity. And that's true for a lot of places in our country. I hear from women all over our country that do not have access to education for things that we absolutely need before our baby gets here. Even though, like you said, no matter what, you'll never really know what a tiny chompy mouth feels like on your nipple until you have a tiny chompy mouth <laughs> on nipple. But we can at least educate these women and these breastfeeding, chest feeding people on what they can expect. And if they don't see what they expect, what are some courses of actions? What are some simple things that you can do in your home? Who are some people that you can reach out to? What are some free resources that you might be able to use? Um, And there is just nothing. There is just nothing. It really is. It's embarrassing and disgusting and it gets me riled up. So I wish that, um, you know, I wish women were just prioritized a little better in our country, but I do think that we are on the way to a better place um, in in women's healthcare, at least. I think that we finally have maybe a fire under our tail and that women are waking up to this idea of like, hey, we actually do deserve a lot better than what we are being given right now. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> what is happening? Um, okay, so Postpartum feels really isolating for a lot of people. And I think that's something that's also kind of unexpected. I think people, you know, they don't realize that 
you're not going to leave your house as often. Um, you're not going to have the same energy or motivation that you have in postpartum that you had pre baby or even during pregnancy life just shifts. And you talked about that a little bit that you literally are a new person and, and you truly are like right down to your cellular piece of your being. You are a different person. And so that isolating piece, that piece, especially, especially now in coronavirus, when even if people did want to come over, or even if you could get out of your house, it's really not so much of an option right now for people who are healing from postpartum and have a newborn. What can we do to feel empowered during postpartum when it is already this isolating time and now we have this compounded factor of coronavirus and, and social distancing what can we do? What can we do? Yeah, you are so right. I felt so isolated postpartum. And that is something that I hear from clients time and time again. And I think really at the most basic level, like let's just acknowledge how amazing we are, how amazing postpartum women are. Oh my God. Right. Like I work with these women every single day and I am overflowing with how incredible they are. And when you were postpartum, I think just taking a step back, acknowledging what you have done, which is grown and maybe birthed a human, like that alone can be empowering. Along with that goes cultivating a positive mindset. So postpartum, yes, is overwhelming. It's isolating for sure. But also you do have some control, right? Unlike some aspects of your birth experience where there might be you know, physical realities that might be unavoidable. Maybe you had to stray from your birth plan a bit, but so much about postpartum is actually within your control. When you are intentional about planning, you have education and you are prepared. So I think setting your intention for postpartum, which sometimes means readjusting your expectations, right? And being really realistic, which is hard. I think it's important to acknowledge that being realistic about your postpartum experience can be really hard, right? The women I work with, and I'm sure that you work with, are smart, driven, are super successful, who are used to multitasking, right? They're used to smashing their goals, accomplishing a ton in a day, right? I'm sure you don't know anybody like this. Then they have a baby, and all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, all I did today was go from my bed to the couch and put on a clean pair of pajamas and feed my baby and that's it. And sometimes I think that can feel like, you know, them feeling less than, right? Or not productive when really like they're exactly where they need to be. They're doing exactly what they, what they need to do. So again, I think it's about being really clear for yourself what you expect postpartum and then how to cultivate that feeling that you want to create. So if it's being productive, right, if that's like the feeling, if that's the thing that gets you going, then, okay, like, let's flesh that out a little bit. How, you know, does, does being productive for you mean crossing things off your mental list? So, okay, then what's on your mental list for the first few weeks postpartum? Maybe it is just changing venue, right? So you, you go from your bedroom to your living room, maybe taking a shower is on that list, brushing your teeth, spending time and feeding your baby, like that's on your list, right? If those are all the things on your list, wow, now like all of a sudden you've had a productive day, you've checked all the boxes. And for a lot of people, I think that can feel like really empowering. And the last thing you kind of mentioned this before was connecting with other postpartum women, right? Like bearing witness to other people's journeys, I think can feel really empowering and celebrating other women who are in the exact same position, the exact same stage that you are, right? So listening to their stories, 
validating their voices. And not all the stories are positive. Again, postpartum can be really, really hard, but just knowing that, that you're not alone, that other people are going through the same thing can feel really empowering. Um, and that actually just reminded me of one other thing that I wanted to say, and this kind of goes back to, to the reframing piece is that it's important to think about like what you can do for you as the mom. I think when a lot of people think about postpartum and postpartum planning, they feel isolated because they're thinking about the baby, right? They're thinking about the other, like what does the baby need? Their focus is on someone else, but really reframing it like that, like what do I need? Like just changing that question can feel very empowering too. I love that. So I love that you talk about that all I did today statement. So when my clients particularly start out their sentence with all I did today, I'm like, eh, 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 eh. back up. Let's rewind that because are you alive? Is your baby alive? Okay. Your to-do list is done. So now every single thing that you are about to say is now an extra. So let's back up and start your sentence with today I accomplished. And then you get to say, I kept myself alive and my baby alive and my house is not burned down and our dog got a walk, whether it was by me or a dog walker that I set up, doesn't matter. Everything is now an extra. I despise that all I did today. Don't start sentences with that around me. I also think that what you were talking about of your to-do list, it's really important to think about the number of things on your to-do list, right? So a lot of people think about the quality, like, oh, well, I didn't write that proposal that I was supposed to write today. All I did was laundry. Well, sometimes, and in postpartum particularly, your list is going to have to go from 10 to 15 things a day to probably zero things a day in that first two weeks postpartum. You really don't need to be doing anything other than nourishing your body back and keeping you and your baby safe and alive and healthy, right? Like it, it really should be a zero to-do list, unfortunately, for, for our busy people like me. That sounds miserable to have a to-do list of zero is like very, very hard for me. So I totally resonate with anyone who is listening like, how am I supposed to have a to-do list of zero? I get it, but your to-do list isn't zero. It's just zero things that you think are important. And right now those things are not important. At week three and four, start to add back a day, uh, you know, a day, maybe three things a day for those first two or three weeks after you get past those first two weeks of birth, right? That first two weeks of birth, it really does have to be a protected sacred space you guys it really does your body needs it your baby deserves it i promise you please respect your body take the time to just sit um so ariana you talked to about that community aspect of hearing other people's stories talk to us a little bit about dealing with setting boundaries and postpartum. So of course, not all stories are going to be positive, but you also don't want to find your play yourself in a space where you're surrounded by negative stories and you find that it's now bringing you down. So how do we navigate these boundaries and postpartum of seeking out positive stories, but also supporting women who haven't had positive stories because we don't want to leave them desolate like they deserve hugs and love too but how do we protect our own space in this really tender part of our life 
Yeah, so that's so important. And I think it is critical to, you know, think about boundaries and communication again before the baby is born. And just adding, you know, one more layer on top of what you already said, I think the other trap that some people fall into is this comparisonitis, right? So they they, you know, get on social media and they see these women who just had babies and, you know, two weeks after their baby, it seems like they are out and about and they fit into all their pre-pregnancy clothes and right. So like I think avoiding that trap in addition to everything you said is also super, super important. So I like to think about setting boundaries and communication like, like an onion. And this is something that I do with my clients. So it really starts with yourself. So, so think of that onion and think of yourself as, as the center of the onion, okay? I know this sounds kind of simple, but what are the boundaries that you're setting for yourself, okay? So again, maybe they have to do with how often you wanna be checking your phone or how often you wanna be checking social media. Maybe they have to do with communicating with the office if you're someone who's on leave from work, right? Like what are those boundaries and those edges for you? And then also how are you going to make sure that you're communicating and checking in with yourself? And that's something that looks different for everyone. So some people like to journal in the morning, some people meditate, some people like to feel connected in nature. And again, these things are going to have to be modified postpartum because as we said for the first few weeks, you know, we're not really taking extended time for ourselves. We have a newborn, but think about, you know, whatever the things are that make you feel connected to yourself set those boundaries and how you're going to deal with that. Then kind of move on to the next layer. So the next layer in the onion is whoever's closest to you. So for a lot of people that might be a partner. So are there boundaries you want to set with your partner? How do you want to communicate with your partner? And again, that might sound simple, but really think about how you and your partner communicate now because guaranteed any issue that you have with your partner now is going to be magnified when you are postpartum, right? Like that's just how it is. So think about what is working well in terms of your communication? What could work better in terms of your communication? And again, really focus on that before the baby is born. And then you just keep moving out layer to layer. So maybe the next layer are your close friends and family. Maybe then it's the larger community you're in, like your neighbors, any groups that you're in and thinking about boundaries and communication at every single layer so that when the baby is here, you're not overloaded and trying to figure like all of this out at once. That is amazing advice. I also advise people to, and this is an activity that we do in the birth lounge, but I advise people to, to make a list of all the things that you do during the days and the weeks leading up to your pregnancy, because these are things that other people are going to have to do. Remember, you are going to be like literally out of the office, out of commission, on vacation, PTO, don't call me, cell phone is off, don't ask me to do anything. I am healing and I'm keeping my newborn alive. You know, I, I truly need people to understand like those two weeks are super important. And so you can write down, um, I call it the mother load um, or the mother list. And it's literally the mother's load. Um, and it's the mother load list, right? And you, you head to this mother load list and you may, I think every couple is probably going to do this different, but you may break it down into daily, weekly, monthly tasks. You may break it down to, you know, individual dates and what just needs to happen in those first two weeks after your baby gets here. Um, you may break it down to what your partner can handle, what your nanny can handle and what your in-laws can handle and what your neighbor will handle, what your sibling will handle, you know, Every family is going to have a, a different way of handling their mother load, but that mother load list is, it's really, really important. Um, it shows you how your family functions and what you need to keep your family going so that when you get into those two weeks, you can truly step back and rely on 
your preparation, that you have truly prepared the people in your life, that their world is going to keep spinning while yours slowly comes to a little bit of a halt while you and your baby adjust to this new life, right? Um, and doesn't that sound much gentler and much more enjoyable than I had a baby and I thought my house was going to burn down because my partner could not handle anything and we didn't prepare and we had no idea, right? You know, one is exactly what you're talking about. It gives you control. It gives you control that you can actually sit back and, and rely on what you have done, doing the work. We talk about doing the work all the time, all the time. Yeah, I love that. I totally agree with you. I think that is so important. We do something similar, although I love the name Motherload. Um, with my clients, where we, you know, create this list of all the things, right, that need to happen. As you said, we do it the same way by day, by week, by month, like all of the tasks, and then delegate that out ahead of time. And then we go a step further with each task, like who is the communication person? So maybe you delegated something to your in-laws, but at least with my in-laws, when they come over, I know they have questions about where things are in the kitchen. How do we do this, right? So the communication person is my husband, right? If they have a question about something, they ask my husband, they don't ask me. I'm not gonna be answering texts on my phone in this two week period. So again, like having the system, as you said, nailed down is like non-negotiable. It really just makes things so much easier. And, you know, you talked about the problems between you and your partner being exasperated in birth, and it is so true. But you can, you can sideset some of that and make your communication super clear beforehand by, you know, setting these expectations. And I think this is a great way to set expectations. This is a great way for someone who, uh, like me, would like to give every single person explicit directions to do every single thing that I ever do myself because um, I want them to do it exactly like I do it for, you know, myself, this is how I do that. I write down that mother load and it is a way for me to brain dump and those people can read my thoughts and then they get to take what serves them and they can leave the rest. And it doesn't matter whoever gets their hands on the mother list. All of your thoughts are there. Um, and so I think this is a way that you can really make your mental load as a brand new parent, you know, a little bit lighter as well. Um, okay. So we're doing a lot of talking about making this postpartum plan. How do you make a postpartum plan for a period of life that you literally don't know anything about? So when we're talking about making a postpartum plan, what are some of the things that you think people should really consider into diving into um, when it comes to thinking about postpartum? Absolutely. So as we said before, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so it can be really intimidating, I think, to think about, well, I don't know what it's going to be like. How do I make a postpartum plan? I think the thing to keep in your mind, right, is that your postpartum plan is not etched in stone, right? Like it is a living, breathing document. Even your mother load can be a living, breathing document, right? And you reserve, this is what I tell clients, right, before we go into how to make a postpartum plan, you reserve the right to change your mind at any moment without notice, right? At all times, right? Like that is rule number one. So that's just a side note. So when I talk about a postpartum plan with my client, right? I'm not talking about a lot of the kind of medical things or about a lot of the baby things. So I'm not talking about, you know, writing down if your baby's gonna receive the newborn medications in the hospital, how you're gonna feed your baby, when you're gonna sleep train. Yes, those things are all super, super important. 
But what I do when I say postpartum plan, it's really about planning for the mother and planning about her healing and her sacred space postpartum. And for that, I think that really starts with setting your intentions. So one exercise that we do is a mindfulness exercise. And I have my clients close their eyes. We do some, um, some work with imagination and I guide them through some questions. And the goal really is for them to cultivate a feeling, right? So really thinking about how do you want to feel postpartum and then reverse engineer your way to that feeling, right? So you're working backwards by design. You know how you want to feel during this, you know, two weeks, six week, four month, one year postpartum period. And then how are you going to get there? So just as an example, right, for many women that I work with, they say that they want to feel supported. Okay, great. So then the next thing, the kind of next step in that process is to think about well, what does feeling supported mean to you, right? Like what are the actions? What are the concrete things that achieve that feeling? So is it, you know, talking to your best friend on the phone? Is it having a home cooked meal? Is it having someone tell you that you're doing a great job, right? Like whatever the thing is, being super, super specific and writing that down and letting that serve really as the basis for developing your postpartum plan. Because what I have found is that being super clear about your intentions and about these feelings just really does inform like the concrete action steps and the to-do items for that plan. That makes so much sense. So my number one thing for parents when they're thinking about postpartum and you know, I'm all about kind of unraveling things that people have misconceptions about. So mine is a cliche thing, which is sleep. But it is because people have such a skewed view of what sleep in the in the first two weeks looks like. You guys, round the clock, you're going to be waking about every 1.5 to 2 hours. That's literally around the clock for 14 days. This is why I, I hone in and I really drive home. Those first two weeks are so... They're like mushy weeks. They like don't even count. They, they, you can't do anything. You're working off of such little and broken sleep that really all you should be focusing on is waking, eating, feeding your baby, making sure that you do feel supported emotionally, and then resting. It's really, that's it. It really is. Um, throw a couple showers in there and then, you know, maybe you get out, out of the house once or twice. But for the most part, you really should be just hanging out. Um, that sleep is the biggest piece. I mean, if you can't tell, sleep is a huge thing for me. I'm, I'm like an eight or a nine hour type of girl over here. So postpartum sleep is, <laughs> oh, it just strikes such fear in my heart. I'm so nervous about postpartum sleep. I mean, it really just, it strikes a chord with me, but I have been so honored to, to support hundreds of women through this. And so I know that you can do it. And I've had the honor of being able to see people do it really well and see people unfortunately not do it really well. And so I do feel prepared to be able to, you know, set those boundaries and get things in line, which also makes me feel comforted that everybody has that control. You just have to know, um, you just have to know kind of the things that you are, you are planning for. Um, so if you had the chance to tell every single pregnant person in their seventh month of pregnancy, one thing that they should do in the next two months before their baby gets here, or one tip that is like the life changer of postpartum, what would you say? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I think if I could tell them one thing, it would be make a postpartum plan. Please, please, please. Like I wish someone had to put their arms around me when I was seven months pregnant and said, listen, honey, this is going to be amazing and wonderful. And also the most challenging thing you've ever done. I'm going to help you get ready. Okay. This is me doing that for everybody listening. I am wrapping my arms around you. Um, if you go to my website, arianawitkin.com, you can actually download a free postpartum planning template. So I will guide you through some of those questions that I was mentioning that I go through with clients. You can set your intentions. I think that's an amazing place to start. And to get to your other question about one piece of advice that I would give people, I would say trust yourself. I had a patient actually this week at the hospital that was, she was going on and on about she and her husband have never changed a diaper. They've never held a baby. They haven't been around kids. And, you know, and she felt like a lot of her questions weren't valid because she didn't feel like she had experience with babies. No, no, no. The doctors, the doulas, the other people in your life, we might be the ex, like, right, the experts in medicine or, you know, postpartum healing, but you are the expert in you and your baby. If you think something is wrong with you, if you think something is wrong with your baby, please listen to your gut. Please reach out for help. That cannot be understated. Oh my gosh. Yes, you are. I love it so much. Everything that comes out of your mouth is so in line with everything that we teach um, at Tranquility Bahihi, but specifically in the birth lounge, because I think, you know, so much of what you're saying can be absolutely applied to the birth space and, um, you know, having your baby, even before your baby gets here. Gosh, this was such an amazing conversation. And Ariana, you're such an amazing resource. If people wanted to work with you, how do they get their hands on you? How do they, you know, find some more of your resources and, and work with you one-on-one? -on -one? Thank you so much for having me, Hehe. It was so great to talk with you. I always love sharing and learning with you. So people can go to my website, arianawitkin.com. As I mentioned, there's a free postpartum planning template on there. I am also super excited to be launching a masterclass on September 10th at 1 p.m. This is taking it one step further and I'm giving you like all of my insider tips on how to develop your postpartum plan so you can thrive, not just survive, um, in that postpartum period. And I'll make sure to get you the link to sign up for that as well. And then lastly, people can follow me on my Instagram, Ariana Whitkin, MD. I share lots of helpful tips and tools and also just my real life as a mama with my own baby there. Everyone should go and uh, follow her for sure. I love, love, love keeping up with her life. Before we started recording, I was like, wait, you guys have been very picking into the beach and so much fun. So, oh my goodness, you guys, Mama MD, today's conversation was so, so good. Like Ariana said, preparing for postpartum before your baby gets here is a non-negotiable, you know, from setting realistic expectations to staying away from the phrase, all I did today. Um, you can really be in control and, and take control and remain in control of your postpartum period, you guys. You really, really can. Make sure that you make a postpartum plan. Make sure that you make a mother load. Make sure that you are adjusting your to-do list every day to account for where you actually are in your postpartum journey. It is about the amount of things on your list, not just the actual items. 
All right, friends. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us for another episode of the Birth Lounge podcast. If you're interested in joining the Birth Lounge, you can head to thebirthlounge.com or you can catch our free resource at thebirthlounge.com backslash your ideal birth. Otherwise, I will see you guys on Friday for another episode of Friday Free Talk. Until next time. Hey there. Before you go, I want to let you know who made today's episode possible. Today's episode is brought to you by Primally Pure. Now, you know, I've been striving to switch to a totally green lifestyle, and it's hard. It takes time. But I'll tell you one thing that I did instantly. And matter of fact, it's the first thing I recommend to people who are trying to balance their hormones, get pregnant, stay pregnant, people who are pregnant, or people who are nursing. Changing your skincare routine is everything. You need to be organic and toxic free. For me, I made the switch to all natural product skincare three years ago, and my complete routine comes from Primally Pure. I use their clarifying serum in the complexion mist in the morning. I cleanse each night with the cleansing oil, moisturize in the evenings with the fancy face serum. I also use their lotion and deodorant and dry shampoo. They even have a baby line that we gift to all of our clients because what better products for your newborn than all natural butt balm, baby oil, baby powder, baby soap. They've offered our people 10% on your first purchase. You can use the code HEEHEE10 to take advantage of this awesome savings. That's H-E-H-E-1-0. If there's ever a time to make a switch, it's when you're wishing for growing or nursing a tiny human. Visit PrimallyPure.com and save with the code HEEHEE10, but proceed with caution because it is totally addicting. I'm warning you now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident.